back, ladies and gentlemen. It is part three. You are joining the FFD260 family of redraft writers. This is the third part of our four-part roundtables where we'll be talking about wide receivers and giving you the ranks and tiers so that you are prepared for all the redraft drafts you have coming up over the next month, getting yourself ready for the NFL season. With me tonight... We have three of the FFD260 Redraft writers. Fellas, go ahead and introduce yourselves. My name's Mike Finelli. You can find me on Twitter at MikeSports22. Yeah. At Syriaco Solar, FF at Twitter, C-I-R-I-A-C-O-S-O-L-E-R. And you can find me, I'm Ben Sigler. You can find me at, at Sigs, E-I-G-S, 247. And I am the at home dad on Twitter at FF at home dad. Now, before we jump into the wide receivers, it's very important that we tell you guys about the latest giveaway at FFD 260 because it's one that ties in directly to this show. We have a signed NUC jersey. It is DeAndre Hopkins signed from one of our very good friends, Pristine Auction. Uh, make sure you get onto Twitter, follow us at FFD260. Go online at FFDynasty260.com and go to the giveaways page so that you can get all the information so that you can walk away with uh, a beautiful signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey. And without further ado, we're going to jump into our wide receiver rankings How this is going to work is we took all of our FFD260 redraft rankings. We averaged them out to get consensus rankings. And then we broke them into tiers based on what their average ranks are. Now, that's going to help you out so that you can realize where tier breaks are and hopefully get the best bang for your buck when you're drafting. Fellas, we ready to go? Let's hit it. Yep, let's go. All right. Uh, so our first tier is a real easy one for us to talk about because it's a, one person. It is Antonio Brown, AB84. Uh, all of us here, we all have him at number one. He's just a dominant guy. That's why we all have him at number one. We have one writer in the staff that has him at two. So, yeah, any, anything you guys would really want to talk about with Antonio? Because I think he speaks for himself. He pretty much does. He's had three straight years to finish as the top wide receiver in PPR scoring. He's consistently healthy, rarely misses games. He's consistent as a wide receiver, one sixty-four percent of the time last year. There's no reason why he shouldn't be first overall. 100% agree. Let's move into Tier 2. Uh, tier 2 is another set of guys coming in. Our signed jersey, DeAndre Hopkins at 2.4 and Odell Beckham right next to him at 2.5. Sigs, you actually got Hopkins the lowest. What's making you a little hesitant? And by lowest, you have him at four. Well, when I look at the people that we have right in the top of the rankings here, the top four or five, um, to me, I can kind of see them all right in, you could say, like two A, B, and C. And, okay, what do you do to get – at least one or two of those guys delineated it out where you're looking at a different, uh, okay, this guy happens to have to be a number two and this guy happens to be a number three because it wouldn't be any fun if you just put twos for all three of them or two of them. Um, so when I was looking at this, 
I guess what what made Nuke go down to number four for me was um, as much as Deshaun Watson is a last year for the run of four or five games, whatever it was that he had, he looks like a good quarterback. Uh, and I've been always one to say that Nuke is for the most part quarterback proof. Uh, but it was one of those things where, okay, if I stack them up against guys like Beckham and Thomas who are right around the same vicinity, uh, they have probably a little bit more stable quarterback situation. Uh, you never know if Watson is going to come back with his knee and, and possibly re-injure it sometime down the line. Uh, and besides that, I guess I trust that uh, Beckham and Thomas will, will have their production maybe a little bit more consistent. Nothing wrong with Hopkins, but I guess I had to find something to kind of whittle down in the top five here, who gets to be one, two, three, and four. And I guess there's a little bit more of a, a chance that that he might have some more down weeks than the other couple of guys here. I still like him, though. Yeah, I don't think anybody here doesn't like him uh, because he's a, a shoe-in for top five. Uh, yeah, and if Watson comes back not 100% because of his knee, Hopkins was still a producer with guys like Savage um, yeah. throwing the ball. So can't really yeah, hate on him. Savage much. is on the Saints now, though, but I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mike, uh, Mike and Rocco, you guys both have them at two. You want to add in anything about uh, your love for Hop there? I mean, I think he has one of the safest uh, target market shares out of any of these receivers that you see. I mean, Will Fuller, he's a deep threat. He's not going to command a large uh, target uh, share. You got Kiki Kuti. I don't mean, I don't know what to expect from him and no real, uh, no real tight end of con- consequence. Yeah, there's not much you can say against Hopkins. He had a 31.5% target share last year. Um, outside of Will Fuller and Lamar Miller, he doesn't have a ton of playmakers around him to take away from his target share. Unless Brock Osweiler is throwing him the ball, he's been a number one receiver. And he's only missed one game in his entire career, so you don't have to worry about him getting hurt and being in and out, in and out in your lineup. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so let's jump down to Odell. Uh, I have him... It too, mostly because Odell is just capable of taking everything to the house. Uh, I've watched it as a Cowboys fan. I watch it every year. It's, you know, a 7-7 game up until Odell gets hit with a quick slant. Eli only has to throw the ball about five yards down the field, and Odell is just, boom, splits the safeties, gone, 70-yard touchdown. And it, 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 it just makes me angry as a Cowboys fan. But as a fantasy owner, uh, I mean, I, I, I love having Odell because he can take a week like that and just add to his targets. Um, anything you guys want to add to Odell? Other than last year when he got hurt, he finishes the top seven receiver every other year in the league. So... Like you said, he just needs that one play to take it to the house, and all of a sudden your score from doubles. The only reason I have him three behind Hopkins is because I'm a little worried how much does Barkley cut into his target share, which is only at 25% in 2016. Um, but other than that, these top three guys are all the best of the best, the elite top tier. I agree with yeah. you, too, about um, maybe being curious about what Barkley maybe siphoning off some catches. But uh, on the flip side of that, you've got a new 
new coach, coordinator, and I mean, when those guys come in, they should be thinking, what's going to make me look the best or the smartest? And it's, you know, funneling your offense through Odell as long as he's on the field. Even the DB has, you know, one arm, one arm kind of pinned down on him or is pulling a little bit. I mean, he only needs one arm or half a hand to catch anything from the radius. Yeah, and I, I, I don't expect, even though they have other weapons coming in there, uh, if you look at Odell's stats since 2014 when he came into the league, he had 130 targets, 158 targets, 169 targets. And then obviously last year with the injury, he only played um, he only played four games, but he still had 41 targets. Yeah. So that's with Ingram. Granted, it was in the beginning of the season and Engram really started coming on, but that's with Shepard there. Um, yes, Barkley possibly could take out um, some of those targets there. Um, I am slightly concerned with his hamstring injury, but that's a talk for another show. Um, but yeah, I mean, Odell, he's, he's the man. He's going to do just great there. Uh, let's jump down to Tier 3 now. Uh, tier 3 is another two-man group, uh, but it's a clear separation here because these next set of guys, uh, they go at the average rank of five, whereas... Hopkins and Beckham were at an average rank of two. So the next two guys we have are Michael Thomas coming in at one, uh, sorry, 5.1 and Keenan Allen coming in at 5.2. So neck and neck race here with them as well. Um, let's hear some love first. Sigs, you got Michael Thomas at three. Uh, and then Mike, be ready for the follow-up because you got him at six. So I want to hear you guys figure out, convince me. Where, where where Michael Thomas should go. Okay. Well, if I, I have him at three, uh, so that means I had him just ahead of Nuke. Um, and I kind of said before, preluding to the fact that I just believe in the New Orleans Saints offense, uh, a little bit more consistency probably. Uh, I, I've watched Mike Thomas in his couple years in the league, and I've, I've had him in leagues. He's helped me win. I've played against him in leagues, and he's you know helped me lose. He's one of those guys, as much as any of these probably four, top four or five guys are, he's one of those guys where you just set it and forget it. You don't ever pull him out until the bye week. He's good, whether it's PPR or standard. Breeze, that's the guy, probably the best target in New Orleans uh, since Timmy Grandma. Breeze just trusts him. And just like Odell in New York, I'll say the same thing. If they're smart, they just funnel this offense and give him as many catches and looks as he can. Yeah, that's all valid points. The reason I have Thomas six is the last two years he's finished as a wide receiver seven and six in PPR scoring. Between Kamara and the fact that they've added a handful of weapons as offseason from Cameron Meredith, who's an upgrade over Sneed. Ben Watson is a slight upgrade over Fleena. They spent a third round pick on Traquan Smith, and they have the two headed beast at running back. I worry about Thomas's touchdown production. He had nine as a rookie, but then dropped to five last year. And while I expect Breeze to bounce back in the touchdown somewhat this year, I'm not as confident Thomas can hit nine touchdowns as I am with Keenan Allen, especially considering the fact that Hunter Henry is now out for the year. While I think Thomas is a safe bet wide receiver one, I don't see him having the ability to finish top three. That's why I have him behind Allen. Still both great number one receivers. Just a little more upside with Allen. Yeah, and I, I, I don't disagree with you. I just think with Kamara coming on too, there seemed to be 
an ebb and a flow in the NFL. Like, you know, okay, tomorrow teams are going to come in knowing they have to stop this guy, whether he's coming out of the backfield with a rush or coming out as a, as a catching a wheel route or some kind of swing pass or a screen. And I think you might have guys overcompensating. Sean Payton, Drew both smart enough to realize that they give a little nod to Thomas and, you know, you overcompensate one way and Thomas is going to be running down the sideline just like Kamara was last year. So, I, I, I again, any of these guys, if you're in there and you need your third or fourth wide receiver and you've got a choice between these guys, you're, you're really smiling like the butcher's dog and you kind of can't lose regardless, but we all kind of have our reasons for going up one or down one. Yeah, between these guys, you're really smiling trying to find the slightest split hair to say yeah. one versus the other. Either way, you're walk away happy as the wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that um, even with two top ten backs last year, Michael Thomas still put up over 100 catches for over 1,200 yards. Uh, Mark Ingram has suspended the first four games. That's going to help his, his target share go up a little bit. I am a little concerned about some of the new targets coming in, but, uh, I mean, Mike Thomas is absolutely the alpha in New Orleans. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with what you guys are saying there. I, I actually think Michael Thomas is going to do all right. Um, I have him at four on my list, uh, mostly because I expect Drew Brees to go back to doing Drew Brees things where he puts up 30, 35 um touchdowns and michael thomas is going to get some t- positive regression on those touchdowns uh because he did have 100 catches 1200 yards only five touchdowns but with breeze coming back to breeze is you know history i could easily see michael thomas taking um a little bit of a bump here cuz he was only he was only let's see three points away from being the fourth best wide receiver last year in PPR. So one more touchdown and he's the fourth best guy there. I can easily see that happening. Uh, Keenan Allen, we're a little bit um, closer on. Uh, Everybody has them between four and six. Uh, Who who wants to, to give me a little bit more info about Keenan Allen? Well, I'll say first and foremost, I think this, injury-prone label he's had put on him is unfair. Aside from the year where he tore his ACL, and we see that as common as common these days, and the year where he had the lacerated kidney where he missed eight games, he's been relatively healthy, including last year where he played all 16 games. As he showed last year, he could be a PPR monster. 27.3 target share last year, and with Hunter Henry out this year, could even just go up from there. While Mike Williams could see some of Hunter Henry's red zone work, Allen could also pick off one or two of Henry's touchdowns from last year in the red zone. Yeah, I think Keenan Allen stands to make um, hopefully another big season of 16 games um, or, at, or at least 15. Um, I mean, if you look at his history in 2013, he played 15. 2014, he played 14. Uh, then, like you mentioned, his two fluke years where injuries completely de- derailed him. Um, but yeah, I could see Keenan Allen coming back. Phillip Rivers is going to throw the ball. The Chargers are going to throw the ball. Uh, that's what they do best there. Um, and that's not to knock Melvin Gordon at all because I think he's a good pass catching back. Uh, but Keenan Allen is just the dominant wide receiver there, and I think he'll do just fine. Um, let's jump down to the next tier. So the next tier spans a, a few more positions here. Uh, we get, or sorry, a few more rankings. 
Uh, we get four guys in it, leading off with Devontae Adams at six. I like him. I'm not in love with him. Um, I mean, I, everybody wants a piece of that Green Bay passing attack, and I will take him, but uh, I'm still looking for a 1,000 yards from him. You're going to get your 10 touchdowns. But I'm a little worried about Jimmy Graham at turn the pitcher. I'm worried about Cobb coming back. I'm worried about some of these rookie rod receivers coming in there. And they have uh, a lot of running back options. I'm just not sure. Uh, I'm just not sure I would take him over some of my guys I have right above him. And we're, you know, we're just, you know, kind of nitpicking here. But you know, that, that's that's why I have him where he's at. I know some of your other guys have strong opinions on him. Yeah, we, but I want to see a little more. Yeah, we really are nitpicking here because all these guys at the top, you're happy any of them is your wide receiver one, especially if you pair running back first. But I'm not worried about the rookie receivers. We've seen that Aaron Rodgers does not trust his guys, and he's still pissed about Jordy being cut. The running backs, they can't stay healthy. Jones suspended the first two games. Montgomery, we know, is injury-prone. Williams had the ankle injury the other night. He should be good to go, but for how long? Um, not worried about Jimmy Graham in terms of taking touchdowns. Rodgers has produced two double-digit touchdown guys in two of his last three healthy years. With Brett Hundley last year, Adams was the only receiver for the Packers who had any success. He finished as a wide receiver, eight in PPR on a points-per-game basis, averaging just under 16. Adams was the only player in the league who scored double-digit touchdowns the last two years. And as long as both Rodgers and Adams stayed healthy, Adams is in line for almost a guaranteed top five finish. Rodgers, in the last four years, has finished had a receiver finish as a top four guy twice. So unless Cobb has a emergence from his 2014 form, which I doubt, Graham should get eight or nine touchdowns, maybe 10, and Adams should see 10-plus in his first 1,000-yard season this year. Yeah, I'm just going to chime in real quick before we move on. Devontae Adams put up uh, 10 touchdowns and 885 yards on 74 catches, and that's with Brent Hundley starting 11 games. So if you give me a full 16 with Aaron Rodgers, now that Devontae Adams is the number one, I expect them to to take off and really make that next jump, and that's why I got him in my top five. Uh, so let's go to Julio, because Julio has a lot of differing opinions here. Uh, he comes in at an average rank of 7.5. Um, and I'll start off because I got him the lowest, and then you guys can try and convince us as to why we should move him up higher. Uh, I have Julio at 10, not because I I disagree with his talent, not because I think he's going to um, – you know, not have a good final score at the end of the season. I don't like Julio Jones on a game to game basis. I don't like the fact that he will put up a 200 yard week with three touchdowns. And then the next six weeks, he gets five catches for 27 yards. And he looks like a wide receiver three or worse. Um, that's my biggest knock on Julio. What do you guys think? You guys have him as high as seven and six. I 100% agree with you. He is frustrating week to week. He has finished the last two years as the wide receiver seven and six in PPR, but that is because, like you said, he goes from one week where he does diddly to the next week where he's the wide receiver one fifty points. He is way too inconsistent for my liking, especially as my receiver one, which is why I have no shares of Jones. I don't want nothing to do with him. Let somebody else take him. 
over the last four years, he has finished as a wide receiver one only 44% of the time while finishing outside the top 24, 39% of the time. That is a drastic yin and yang there. Um, three touchdowns last year, second lowest of his career, yet he's only scored eight or more twice. Uh, he should bounce back to the norm in terms of touchdowns this year, maybe six or seven. But all the guys you mentioned ahead of him could easily get 10 without blinking twice. So Jones, I'm not in favor of this year. I'd rather stay away and get somebody else. Yeah, usually he's going to be picked higher than I would take him. Uh, the value where you if you take him as a top five wide receiver, uh, you know, you're going to have to get that production out of him all year long to make it worth your while. You can't draft someone in the top five for a position and then all of a sudden have a turn off weeks of like 10 or 12 at their position. And someone's going to take him before I'm willing to. And that's why, like you had said, I'm, uh, I'm probably not going to have a lot of shares or maybe any. Uh, because he's one of those guys where it's classic. If you look at their limited for the year stats, it looks awesome. And you look at it, you're like, oh, crap, we'll take these three games away. And he had, you know, like you had said at the start, like a 200-yard game, game over like 12 catches for 187 yards and three touchdowns. And it's just like, you know, oh, come on. You need to that out to make it more consistent with where you're going to have to draft him. Oh, he's definitely a volatile asset, but he's going to get you 1,400 yards every single year. He's going to get you over 130 targets every single year. And he's still the best athlete at the position, in my opinion. So yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it as my sixth guy. Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm not knocking his athleticism at all. I think he is one of, one of the top athletes in the position. But if you're telling me that I, I have to put up with weeks of him going – uh, three for 30, no touchdowns. Four for 66, no touchdowns. Six for 57, no touchdowns. Two for 24, no touchdowns. Oh, all of a sudden he plays Tampa Bay, goes 12, 12 of 15 for 253 and two touchdowns. And only one other game he scores a touchdown. Now, yes, last season was a fluky season where he scored the fewest touchdowns of his career. But Sarkeesian is still their offensive coordinator. He's still the one calling the plays there. And I just don't think, coming from uh, that college perspective, that he's going to be able to use Julio in the way that Julio should be used for me to put him, you know, in the, in the conversation of, you know, top six, top seven wide receivers. Uh, let's bump down to A.J. Green because he's another one that we're, we're debating about here. Uh, Mike, you got A.J. Green at 11. Yeah, uh, Green is, at this point in his career, probably more name value than actual production value. He's still a wide receiver one. And while he has a high target share and you expect big things from him, he finished last year's wide receiver 10 in PPR, but he left a bad taste in owner's mouth. He started the year the first two games horribly, and then the last couple of games horribly. In between, he was pretty solid, but the beginning and the end was really bad. Andy Dalton still his quarterback. You really wonder, is he even the long-term starter in Cincinnati, or are they considering drafting a rookie next year if they bottom out and up with a top-ten pick? Joe Mixon, I expect big things from, given the fact that they you know, traded for Cordy Glenn, drafted an offensive guard in the first round. They seem to be focusing on getting Mixon more involved in the offense. Last year, Green also struggled to be consistent. He was he finished outside the top 24 seven times last year. 
Um, he's also coming off a career low 52% catch rate last year compared to 66 over the previous two years. He's still wide receiver one for me, but I think he's more in the back half, that seven, eight, nine range is a ceiling. Um, now, if he comes out and has you know hot start, then I look like a fool here, but I'm concerned about his upside given the fact that they want to make Mixon almost a feature point of the offense. Is that about the fact that they traded for Glenn, uh, the offensive lineman, and Andy Dalton's still the quarterback? Yeah, I, I, I like AJ Green here. Um, again, I think he's a back end type of guy. Uh, I like his upside. I think he can still separate going down the field. I think he can still high point the ball. I think he still does all of those things really well. And I think Andy Dalton's going to be firing the ball to him a lot. Um, I don't see Mixon necessarily taking a ton away from him um, because that's even if Mixon turns out to be better than what, like I don't hold Mixon too high, but if he turns out better than what I think he will be, I still don't think he's going to take that much away from A.J. Green just because A.J. Green is a different type of player. Um, uh, Rocco, you got him at seven, so you got the most love for him out of those of us on the the, the conversation here. Uh, why, why are you loving A.J.? Well, honestly, I think he's one of the most consistent receivers in the league. I mean, he, out, of, out of his seven years, he has six seasons with 1,000 yards plus. In the one year he doesn't have 1,000 yards was his injury-shortened year. He was the leading receiver in the, in the entire league in those 10 games. And I think uh, the Bengals had a really awful year. They were really terrible. If they are any even a little bit better, Joe Mixon helps. Like Mike said, he would be – he would help. He would help out the whole offense, and a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah, and, and the talent's still there. He's not any worse than he was, you know, the last five six years. I mean, I've watched him play, and he's still really good. Yeah, and in, in that injury shortened season, he still only missed a thousand yards by about fifty yards, and that was only in eight games. Are we concerned at all that last year they had no other pass options and maybe Eifert stays healthy this year? Long shot, but maybe. John Ross has an impact after one fumble last year. Tyler Boyd, anything at all concerned that maybe A.J. Green doesn't get the same target share, maybe he comes off a couple points? I, I think I think if they have other targets, he gets more efficient targets. And I... And I... The, the, the coverage is not all shifted to A.J. Green because he was the only thing anybody had to worry about last year. And I still don't see those those guys taking that much away from him, uh, at least not from what I've seen in preseason games so far. Um, I mean, Ross could take a step, potentially. I think Tyler Boyd is just, just not a good, you know, not, not a good kind of um, – stretch the field, slot guy. I think he plays a role in that offense. I just – I don't see him being a guy that's going to take any targets away from A.J. Green. Yeah, and if he does, it's probably going to be a very few minimum, if at all. Yeah. You're probably right. Again, my biggest thing is Andy Dalton, and again, are they determined to run the ball more? But if A.J. comes out hot again, well, he's going to finish the top 78 guy for sure. I can see that can see that easily. Uh, let's go down to Mike Evans now. He rounds out this next tier. Uh, comes in at eight point five on average. Um, Sigs, 
You have him at nine. What, what, what do you like about Mike Evans this year? Well, I mean, I like that Mike Evans uh, – people are going to probably point out right away, well, the quarterback situation's going to be in flux with, with um, having to go back to their backup quarterback for a couple games and then come back to Winston. Uh, I, I think he, he's not quarterback-proof like Hopkins – uh, they'll still get him the ball, though. They'll still run their offense through him. And I guess I like the fact, too, that in almost the same way as A.J. Green is going to be the wide receiver that, that Cleveland's going to have – or, sorry, not Cleveland. Cincinnati's going to have to uh, push the ball through. I think Evans is that one, too, because you got Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, who is probably kind of trying to – not he's not trying to, but they're trying to kind of uh, – probably not use him so much with his age. Uh, they've got Goodwin coming in. I don't really – I'm not confident, I guess, in what Ronald Jones, their running back, is going to do. They just said Barber's going to be their starter, whether that's coach speak or not. Uh, if you're going to put your chips all in on someone for Tampa Bay, it should be Mike Evans. Yeah, it should be Mike Evans if you put any chips all in on Tampa Bay. Um, they do have better weapons than Cincinnati does around the guy. Godwin, Jackson, the two tight ends. Yes, Ronald Jones has looked horrible thus far in the preseason. We'll see what Barber can do as a start, at least to start the year. Um, Winston, when Evans played with Winston and Fitzpatrick last year, he only averaged 1.8 fantasy points per game difference. It was 14 versus 12 too. So the quarterback argument shouldn't be really a big factor. What's my concern with Evans is how well does he catch the ball? He caught 53% of his targets last or 52 last year, 53% for his career, and he doesn't get a high number of targets outside the year where he finished as a wide receiver three in 2016, where he had 173. The rest of his career, he's averaged just 135. With more weapons around them now, and Godwin taking the next, next step, the two tight ends, he's not going to see anywhere near 173 targets. And if he has another 135 target season, I'm not convinced he can finish in the top five. So yeah, my, my argument against that, and it's the most scientific thing you can do, in 2014, 12 touchdowns. 2015, three touchdowns. 2016, 12 touchdowns. 2017, five touchdowns. You just got to keep the pattern going. <laughs> 2018, he gets 12 touchdowns. And when he does that, he's a top fantasy asset. Um, my problem and, with. I'm go sorry. ahead. My problem is he catches the ball and he falls down. No yak whatsoever. Hey, as long as he's catching the ball in the end zone, it doesn't matter how much yak you get. It's true. That's very true. For a high end, too. I mean. <laughs> Low on one, even. He's, he's had over 1,000 yards in every season he's played. He's, he's played 15 games in every season that he's played. He's had over 120 targets in every season that he's played. Um, yeah, his, his catch percentage is not great um but it, it for where mike evans is going in drafts right now i'm loving him he is a good value where he's currently going his adp is slightly below where it should be and like you said if he does that on off on off touchdown thing again this year and has double digits we're all gonna look like fools and he's gonna be pushed up next year um i like him better non-ppr specifically because of the touchdowns versus the catch rate thing but like you said, if he hits the double-digit touchdown mark again this year, we're all going to get a still his current ADP. 
Let's move into our next tier. I, I like closing out that tier there because those were all four guys that I think we can all agree their target share is going to be pretty consistent. And it's a big question about what are their touchdowns going to look like um, throughout 2018. Whereas the next tier we're getting into, we get into a bigger tier of six guys. Uh, some of them should have a, you know, some of them should have a massive um, upside in terms of targets. Some of them not too sure about in terms of targets, um, but they were really efficient with the targets that they did have. Um, so our next tier, we have Doug Baldwin coming in at 11-4, T.Y. Hilton at 11-8. Uh, let's talk about those guys first. Uh, let's go Baldwin first. And, Mike, you not, you're not liking Baldwin this year. You got him at 15. I love Baldwin. The only problem is I'm worried about that knee. He's, a, I want to say, an old vet, but he's a little bit older than some of these guys we just talked about. He is going to get peppered beyond belief with targets because – who the hell else is Wilson going to throw the ball to? Lockett can't stay healthy, and the receivers behind him are a bunch of unproven guys. They have no Jimmy Graham at tight end. The running game is a mess. Penny's hurt. Chris Carson looked horrible on that goal line series last night or the other night where he didn't get the one yard, and then the next play fumbled the ball and turned it over at the goal line. Now, if you can guarantee me Baldwin's ready to go week one, going to play all year long healthy, he's back into the top ten for me. 21% target share last year. They lost 216 targets from last year and did very little to replace him unless Jerron Brown you know, becomes a superstar somehow, some way. He's a volume guy, PPR stud, just that knee. That, that's what concerns me. I had him at nine beforehand, and I'm just concerned with the targets. How good of a route running is this? How he gets open? Is that knee going to come back and either cause him to miss games or at the very least hamper him like Julio was a few years ago with that foot? He played, but he just could not really produce. Yeah, Sigs, jump in. You got you got him ranked the, the the highest out of the group of us here, so you jump in here. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where he proves me wrong every year. I always have him rated lower, and then I come in and look, and, and he's just a target magnet for whatever reason. Uh, Russell Wilson... It's not just that he's like a safety blanket and people talk about Jimmy Graham leaving and their their tendency to not pick a running back and seeing how every – like Pete Carroll has a calendar and he checks off four weeks and when he rips off October and sees November, he makes a running back change. There's no rhyme or reason for seeing the other injuries, why they keep flip-flopping and not committing to someone. Baldwin's one of those guys that I, I have him honestly at 10 – or in the top 10, I could put him at 11 or 12, I guess, and it wouldn't take much to convince me of that. But he's he's going to be in the tail end of that wide receiver one for me because he just consistently proves me wrong. And this year, he's almost got to get the ball from Wilson. And in all those scramblings that Wilson ends up doing where he seems to know where that blue line is, that line of scrimmages on the TV, I've seen it so many times because they play in the, the afternoon game or the late game or the Thursday or the Monday night, and you just see it. He scrambles. Baldwin and him like share a brain where they know, okay, I'm coming back. This is this. It's like they're drawing it up, you know, in the sand before games and or on the playground. They just have this connection, and I guess that bumps them up a little bit higher than just eleven or twelve. Yeah, see, I can't, I can't see putting Baldwin outside of the top twelve. Um, the need does scare me a little bit. That's why I bumped them down a little bit. Um, but Baldwin, to me, is going to be a guy that's going to just maintain being a very solid fantasy asset. Um, and 
you know, they, they haven't had a running game in Seattle in a long time. Yeah. So the argument about that running game being trash, it's always trash in Seattle. So what's, what's new? Uh, so I, I'm still loving Baldwin. I got him a little bit lower than I really want him to be because I think his knee's going to be perfectly fine. Um, but I am, I am shading him, fading him a little bit because of it. Um, but definitely keeping him in my top 12. Uh, let's drop down to a guy that I'm super excited about. Uh, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Six. Why don't you go first? Because you're not you're not loving Ty, and I want to hear why you're wrong first. <laughs> well, <laughs> we talked in the quarterback pod about like I have luck lower, uh, and until I see him play, and I've seen him play a little bit now, he, he looks like he's back to himself. Granted, he's not facing them one day all year long, but we're talking about Hilton. Um, I I would maybe bump him up a little bit here. I uh, maybe flip flop him. Uh, but I haven't changed my rankings lately. Uh, it's not that I don't like him. I do have him rated below everyone else by at least three or four or five. Uh, I don't know. With a healthy luck, he's definitely a top 12. He's one of those guys where if he falls and you're on the turn, picking maybe the last one or 11 or 12 in the first round and then coming right back around, uh, you know, you'd be silly not to take him there at, at any point, either at the bottom of the first or top of the second especially if some everyone else in your league is doing some kind of strategy where they're drafting wide receivers and they scoop up running backs later on. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I could see that a little bit, but, I mean, for me, T.Y., I just uh, – I love him. Uh, I think he is the only receiving option um, that is guaranteed in Indianapolis. Yes, there's a little bit of talk about Naeem Hines, I'm actually excited about Ebron being a potential, you know, huge sleeper for tight ends. But T.Y. Hillen is the only, the only guy that is locked and loaded going to be a great tight, uh, sorry, a great receiver for the Colts. Um, Mike, you want to chime in? You got, you got some love for T.Y. here also. Yeah, I wanted to see, and I still want to see the uh, week three preseason game before I'm totally on board, but I'm about 90% there that Luck's back to his own self, and that means Hilton's going to be productive. In the last three years, Luck has been healthy, 2016, 14, and 13. Hilton has finished every year as a top 18 guy, twice as a number one receiver. In 2016, he finished as a top 24 guy in 63% of his games. Like you said, there's a little bit of hype around Naeem Hines, but who else in that Colts team is going to challenge him for targets? And more importantly, who's going to challenge him for the deep ball threat now that Deion Kane's out for the year? Ebron and Doyle might be a good tight end duo. We know Luck likes to throw it to the tight ends, but Hilton is clearly the alpha dog in that passing attack, and he could easily see 140-plus targets this year, especially given the fact that the Colts are going to be a negative game script a lot. Yeah, and I, I think, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of T.Y. I think he's going to have a great year. I could see Indianapolis struggling a little bit. Um, potentially because of a weak running game, potentially because of Andrew Luck not being 100%, but I'm going with Luck is 100%, um, and whenever Luck is 100%, T.Y. is going to eat. If you look at the preseason games that have been happening so far, T.Y. is Luck's favorite target still, and I think that just carries throughout. I, I actually want to put T.Y. higher, uh, but I'm 
I'm, I'm containing myself. Uh, let's drop down to the next guy. Uh, we got Larry Fitzgerald coming in at 12. Um, <laughs> Rocco, you got him at eight. Uh, still loving the old man, huh? What can I say? He's one of the most uh, consistent guys in the league. You know, uh, always around 100 yards. I mean, 100 catches, over 1,000 yards. He's old, but this is not Dynasty. This is redraft. Yeah, in PPR, you got to love Fitzgerald because, like he said, you get 100 catches out of him every year. He's one of the top target guys every year. He finishes a wide receiver, 11 or better, in three straight years, including fourth last year in PPR. Fitzgerald is rarely hurt. He only missed six games his entire 14-year career. 23% target share last year and six or more touchdowns in three straight years. DJ's back, which means now there's two major weapons on that offense defense had to pay attention to. And again, a team that's probably going to be negative game script a lot. Fitzgerald is probably the safest top 12 wide receiver we have. You know what he's going to get you week in and week out and for the season. Yeah, I like Fitzgerald. Uh, we all have him in that 8-12 to 12 range, 8-11 to 11 range. So we're all thinking that he's going to finish out as one of those back-end wide receiver ones. And right now you're getting him in the third, maybe fourth round in 12-team leagues. Uh, so you can't go wrong with the old man. Um, he, he is a great wide receiver, too, to pair with a guy as a one who has a lot more upside but more risk. If you're going to take Julio and say the second round, if you take a running back and the first Julio comes back on the turn there, you grab maybe a mix or somebody. If you get lucky in the mid to late third, grab Fitz in the early fourth because you, then you have your boomer bust playing Julio and your consistent guy in Fitz. You got a good balance there. Yeah, not a bad strategy. Uh, so everybody's, bad. Sorry, everybody's always scared to draft Fitz, and all he does is get you 100 catches every single year. He's he's never he's always got it since the last year. It's the last year. He's not going to do it this year. He does it every single year. I feel like it's the same argument with Tom Brady, but let's move yeah. on. Let's move on to the next two wide receivers. We're going to do them in tandem. Uh, we have Adam Thielen coming in at 13.7 and Stefan Diggs coming in at 14.1. Uh, I feel like this is just an argument of you think one of the guys is going to be better than the other guys. Um, so, Sigs, you have Thielen all the way down at 20. So why don't you start us off with your Diggs love and your Thielen hate, and we'll jump in. Okay. Well, looking at this, uh, yeah, I got Diggs probably higher on average than Thielen. Uh, and basically, I think when they got Kirk Cousins, uh, what they want to do is make the offense more exciting, more explosive, because now they've got a guy, you know, they had to rely on, on Keenum. And I say rely on him because he wasn't their starter and their coaching staff seemed to want to, or at least their fan base for the most part, seemed to want to pull him out of their whenever they could or have an excuse for a bad game. Yeah, we can go back. And I mean, he just kept kind of staying in there and managing games, doing what they asked him to do. I think Diggs is going to be more explosive. He's going to be able to, to work down the, the deeper routes in the field. Uh, and you look at Thielen or my thought on Thielen and lowering him a little bit more. Uh, I guess I'm not a Thielen fan. I'm not going to let any kind of hate or, or anything go in and affect the rankings too much. I'm confident with Dalvin Cook uh, being healthy and then kind of coaxing him back. He's a good receiver. 
uh, at least we thought he was in college, and I'm assuming it's going to translate to the NFL as well. Uh, I think he might be able to take away some of those shorter catches. Uh, and I know Thielen doesn't catch only short catches, but I think their offense might change a little bit, and it's going to kind of almost flip-flop Thielen and Diggs's stats, where Stefan Diggs is going to get more targets, more looks, and Thielen's are going to get chipped down a little bit. And that's why I got them I, I'm really looking at their stats from last year. I kind of can see them not exactly flip-flopping, but Diggs is going to come out on top more so than Thielen is, I think. Yeah, I could, I can definitely see that being the case um, of Diggs coming out on top. Uh, but I'm just not completely sold on him yet. I think everyone is swayed a little too much by his kind of um, super performance in um, that playoff game against the Saints. I think Thielen is a little bit safer. Um, what, what, what do you two think, uh, Mike and Rocco? I think they both can finish as top 14, even top 12 guys. That offense is going to be explosive. As you saw in the first preseason game, it's, it's going to be big, it's going to be bad, it's going to be explosive. Last year, on a points-per-game basis, remember Diggs missed two games, both guys finished as wide receiver ones. Thielen at 11, and Diggs tied for 12. Um, in the games without Diggs, Thielen averaged actually less fantasy points per game, 13-9 versus 15-1 in PPR. So I think both guys are going to be in the same ballpark, give or take a few spots, low-end one, high-end two. Um and I think, given the fact that there's not much receiver depth behind it, McKinnon's targets from last year have to go somewhere, and I'm not convinced they're all just going to slop over to Dalvin Cook. And that the fact that you know they want to be more explosive this year, they want to be more entertaining, that's why they gave Cousins the full, first fully guaranteed contract. Both guys should finish in the same ballpark, assuming they both play 16 games. Do you yeah. think Cousins can support two... Two high-end wide receiver twos. Yeah, I think so. I know the you know theory going around is Cousins has never produced a things like top thirty wide receiver in his time in Washington. But then again, look who he had the pass to. Garcon was had that big target year a few years back, but that was before Cousins took over. Jackson's a deep threat purely, and last year they threw together a bunch of guys they found off you know basically the waiver wire. Pryor was a bust. Dotson couldn't stay healthy. Crowder was dinged up all year. Reed, you know, I think in a well-built offense with a good defense across them, Cousins can't support two guys knowing that, you know what, he could take a little more risk because the defense will bail him out. As opposed to in Washington, he throws a pick, and five plays later, the other team has seven points. Yeah, I think we have like a Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree type of situation where both of them can finish, you know, in the – the low end wide receiver one, high end uh, wide receiver two uh, stratosphere, and I think uh, Diggs Diggs was the number one before he got hurt. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he will continue being the, the alpha dog there. But Thielen's no slouch either. I just think that uh, Diggs had a star making performance, and sometimes they just come out on national TV. A guy will come out on national TV and just announce himself, and that's what he did in the Saints game. Yeah. Um, the other thing with Diggs versus Thielen is Diggs is the better guy in the red zone, and 
the higher catch percentage guy on third down. So with Cousins, if he's in the third down situation or in the red zone, Diggs is probably going to be his first option. I know we all think Thielen is the big third down guy. He had more catches, but he actually had a lower catch rate. So let's go from two guys that should be, I mean, by all accounts, they should be at least wide receiver twos together to a guy that has put up really good numbers through his first two years, but now has a wide receiver joining his team that's causing a lot of people to fade him. Um, And I'm talking about Tyreek the Freak Hill. Um, I'm a big proponent of him. I think he could possibly crack the wide receiver one um, area one more time. But I got him at 14 right now. I think he is the, I think he is the better wide receiver in Kansas City. I think he can score from anywhere on the field. I think Sammy Watkins is not going to be a primary factor, at least not this year, right away. Uh, I think there's something to be said about a wide receiver that shifts teams a lot, kind of like Brandon Cooks will be coming up later in the in, in the show. So I'm big on Tyreek Hill. Um, ever since I saw him make that one-handed catch wrapping around a defender in the end zone two years ago, I think he's probably the best wide receiver Kansas City has had um, in a little while. I agree. I'm not worried about walking so much, especially considering we've seen what little he's done the preseason thus far. And I know I'm the second lowest on him at 16, and probably he's going to end up moving up for me if Walker's Catino looks like a bad signing. Um, again, my only slight concern is new quarterback, new partner across from him, but if he continues to play like he did in the preseason game a couple nights ago, and Sammy Walker's continues to be a no-show, you know, expensive decoy, Tyree Kill should finish as a low-end wide receiver one again this year. He's explosive. He's very much like Odell. He just get the ball in his hands, and he could be gone to the house. And, again, with the Chiefs possibly being in more negative game script this year because the defense took a step back and Mahomes liked to chuck it downfield, Hill can be, I don't want to say a better version of Julio, but a more consistent version of Julio where you don't get the 50-point, six-point game swings, but you might get a 12- to 30-point swing kind of thing. I, I and we all got them about the same, and I don't want to say too much of the same stuff here, but – um, this is one of those things where he can go down the field. He's going to be someone that is attacking the defense. And we saw that, that huge catch. I, I mean, I, I love all the the negative talk about Hill because this is someone that I'm getting on a lot of my teams that uh, I've drafted already on online. And it's one of those things where it, it kills me when he catches those nice, beautiful sports center package opening clips that they throw in there because I'm like oh man everyone's gonna see this and now they're gonna figure out okay you know he's doesn't matter what you try and do you can't really take him away and with a young quarterback like Mahomes he's he's probably gonna see him open down the field and just know I can't overthrow this guy just let it loose and your Hill's gonna help you win a lot yeah and last thing I'll say about Hill before we move on is Patrick Mahomes does one thing really well throw the deep ball Tyreek Hill does one thing exceptionally well, and that's running faster than everybody else on the field. And if you haven't seen that preseason highlight uh, where Mahomes throws it 60-something yards in the air and Tyreek Hill 
outruns three defenders and gets it wide open and gets it for a touchdown. I could see that happening at least three to a half a dozen times in 2018. The other thing that Tyreek Hill does really well is uh, get a easy pass that any quarterback can make, like a slant, a screen, um, one of the little bubble screens or anything like that, and taking it to the house because he's faster, shiftier than everyone else on the field. So I can see Tyreek Hill staying really efficient with limited targets, and I don't see Mahomes's kind of lack of quarterbacking skill for being a rookie being too much of a detriment to the game that Hill plays. Um, with that said, let's move on to our next tier. We got four guys coming in um, in the 16 to 18 rank range with Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, Golden Tate, and Demarius Thomas. So let's jump in with Amari, Amari Cooper coming in at 16. Um, Rocco, you like him the most right now at 12. Uh, tell us why you love him. Oh, I love him. I just wrote an uh, article, article that's coming out on, on the website pretty soon. And, I mean, I'm hearing a little little feedback here. But, um, I mean, he, first two years, over um, over 1,000 yards, over 70 catches, five touchdowns. And uh, there's a very select few of guys that have, that have done that. Albeit he did have a horrible year, the whole team had a horrible year. The team was 4-12. and 12. Um you know, uh, Derek Carr was in and out the lineup. Amari um, uh, Cooper was dealing with some some bang, some some bruises, some bumps and bruises. And I, I think uh, you know they got a new coach. Uh, a lot of people are scared off by John Gruden. He's a little crazy. He's a little old school, but he's gonna feed Amari Cooper. He's gonna get the targets. There's not really anything else that I can think of. I mean, Jordy Nelson. I don't believe in him anymore. I mean, who else do they have? Uh, Jared Cook. I mean, uh, Marshawn Lynch. He's going to get some some carries. But I think um, Amari Cooper is going to get 130, 150 targets easily this year. And he's going to perform like he did in his first two years, which will give you almost a wide receiver one. Six, you, you got him at 22. Go ahead and explain why. Well, um, it's one of those things where I, I know he's consistently got, you know, half a dozen or a little bit more touchdowns. They get rid of Michael Crabtree, which a lot of people said, okay, that's didn't really help him coming in there at siphoning off some stats and some, they maybe looked at him sometimes in, in certain games more so than Cooper. Uh, but you look at it and yeah, John Gruden, people bringing up his name. Uh, they did sub in Jordy Nelson. He's older. Uh, he might fit their offense or the offense Gruden's trying to bring in. I guess I, I the more I look down and writing notes and stuff, it's like there's a little thing that chips away at Cooper more and more and more. And when you start looking at, okay, who do I want? And this there's these tiers. He's kind of sliding in that tier for me. Uh, there's some other guys around here that I would feel more confident taking and believe a little more in. Uh, and I'm not saying Gruden's going to shift his offense to running more. But he's got Marshawn Lynch, Lynch, sorry, uh, Chris Warren, the rookie, looks really good. I know it's against some of the twos and threes, but he looks really good. And I, I just can't forget when Gruden was in Tampa Bay and just destroyed Cadillac Williams by running him into the ground. I mean, I think 
it might seem to be one of those tendencies, like a nervous tick almost, where he doesn't realize he's doing it, but he'll do it when all of a sudden they're in the end zone. He's just going to see, I got these two huge backs. Let's just go smash mode football and beat this into the end zone. When Cooper's, you know, over the top of some DB by four inches, and all he has to do is jump ball, a little outpost pattern, and Gruden might get carried away more often than not and try to slam the ball in with a running back. Yeah, I, I'm a little worried about Marshawn. I got him at, I got Cooper at 14, but outside of that, I'm not too worried about it. I took last year and just threw it out the window. He was the water receiver 14 in 2016 in PPR and then fell to 36 last year. Uh, Derek Carr recently came out and said that Cooper was more injured than the public was led on to know last year. Both he and Carr dealt with injuries all year long, lingering ones. The whole offense as a whole took a step back. Cooper, Crabtree, Carr, the whole group. Um, Gruden coming in, definitely a new look. We'll see how they play things out. Gruden has said they want to make Cooper the focal point of their offense. During Cooper's first two years, he averaged 131 targets. Last year, dropped to 96. If he gets back up to that 131 range, he has enough volume, and assuming he can hold on to the ball enough, he should finish in the low end, wide receiver one, high end, wide receiver two kind of range. Because I'm not convinced Jordy has much left in the tank, and whatever he does have left in the tank is only going to help pull the double coverage away from Amari. Yeah, I think Amari has upside. Uh, every Everybody in this tier, I think, is an upside play here. I think Amari Cooper had a really bad um, year in 2017. I mean, he had games for the first half of the season where he was in single digit fantasy points. And it was just, it it was just tough to, to watch. It was tough to have him on your team, but I think he's sliding enough where if you draft him a little bit later, you can get a guy that's going to have some upside there. That's going to, you know, hopefully bounce back in a big way and be able to help you out. But I mean, I'm a little nervous about Cooper for all the reasons that you guys presented there. Um, So the next guy with some, some concerns and some question marks, but a lot of upside, we have Allen Robinson. Um, Rocco, you're the highest on Robinson. Also that, that knee injury, not scaring you off any, huh? All I know is he's um, he's good at football. Um, he had a 1,400-yard season with Blake Bortles. I mean, Blake Bortles will drive anybody's value into the toilet. Um, at that at that portion of the rankings, I'm willing to take a chance on his on his upside of on his talent. I think Trubisky is going to be an upgrade over Bortles. Um, and I I just think that. Um, he has a 1,000-yard a, a upside. Let me push back there a little bit. Um, I agree Robinson has a 1,000-yard upside. I believe the Anthony Miller preseason hype is overblown. People are saying he's going to take A-Rob's job, and I think that is crazy, even though I liked Miller coming into the draft. Um, in 2016, Robinson finishes the wide receiver 24, and it was barely the wide receiver 24. The wide receiver 25 was a half a point behind him despite the fact that Bortles finishes a QB8. Is Trubisky really going to be that much of an upgrade, considering he reportedly has looked underwhelming at camp thus far? Um, and while I don't think Miller takes over as wide receiver one, he is going to make plays. They did get Taylor Gabriel a four-year, $30 million contract. 
Trey Burden looked phenomenal. They got the two running backs. Robinson's probably a safe wide receiver too, but for me, he's in that back half of the wide receiver two range. Yeah, I'm right there with you in the back half of the wide receiver two range. Um, I like drafting Allen Robinson kind of in that area uh, because I feel as a wide receiver one, I'd much rather go with a guy that is going to be the focal point of that passing attack as the wide receiver one than a guy that is the wide receiver two. And, you know, maybe there's a tight end or a running back or something like that that's going to eat into targets and stuff like that. But as the wide receiver one, you're you're almost guaranteed a decent am- amount of targets, and targets is what every receiver needs in order to put up points. Especially because in the division there, ran with Green Bay, Minnesota, and Detroit, that's three offenses that can drop third on you in a, like that. And Chicago's defense, while improved in some areas, Fuller looked good last year. I like Leonard Floyd and whatnot. Uh, Roquan just got the camp, finally. They're going to be a negative game script, which means much like Robinson was in 2015 when he finishes the wide receiver four or five, I believe, there's going to be a lot of garbage time points going to him. Absolutely. I do worry about the uh, the wind as you get later in the season. That's one of my biggest concerns in Chicago. It's possible that the weather can influence them there. That's, uh, that's an interesting take. But hopefully in the beginning of the season, he does enough for you. So let's go to somebody that plays in a dome then. Uh, Golden Tate comes in next at 17.8, the 18th wide receiver off the board. Six, you got him at 12, really loving Golden Tate. Why do you think Golden Tate can be a wide receiver one? Um, well, it's something that doesn't really show up a lot on stat sheets, but he's always kind of flirting with wide receiver one, like low half, and he's probably as, as good a, a bet to get you over 1,000 yards and 90 catches, which in PPRs I know are more attractive. Uh, we're kind of doing these in a vacuum where we haven't said if it's PPR standard. I'm just saying I, I'm a believer this year where I think there's things uh, in in the Lions camp that I've read and heard, um, other things I've I've watched or listened to, uh, what they've got going with their run game. I think that's in the past people facing the Lions. I mean, a blind man can see the secrets out. You kind of back up and make them try to run to beat you. You, you guard everyone, whether it's dime, nickel, whatever, back past the five, six yards past line of scrimmage because they can't run the ball. Uh, this year they've they've got a rookie in carry on Johnson that looks like he is going to be better running the ball. They got LeGarrette Blount. Uh, I mean, there's only one guy besides Antonio Brown in the last four years that's had 90 catches every single year, and it's Golden Tate. I mean, that's as good a bet as you can get. I know they're going to have uh, – Marvin Jones and a lot of people have Kenny Galladay as one of their breakout people. I, I think with Eric Ebron leaving, you, you have all these catches. They got to go somewhere. I'm not saying Tate's getting more of them, but I think because of that and because of them not really having a, a proven tight end in Detroit, they're probably or possibly going to go with maybe more three wide uh, formations. Uh, you never know what they're going to do. I guess if, if Patricia goes more the Patriot way, and kind of game plans week to week. They might change their their formations all the time, but uh, it just seems like every year Golden Tate is kind of right there as one of the top number, or sorry, one of the top wide receiver twos, but there's weeks where he gets you, you know, 
uh, numbers that puts him in as a wide receiver one that week uh, when maybe someone else stumbles. I really think I could probably be talked down into the, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, but I just, this year, I think it's a contract year. He hates the fact that his age is being used against him. He kind of wants to stay there. He's smiling, seeing all these other wide receivers, you know, backing up the, the delivery truck from the bank to their house. And I mean, I think it's, everything's lining up for him and I'm going to take a little bit of a risk, maybe a reach, but I I like where Golden Tate's at and what he's going to be doing and what he's going to be trying to do. I mean, he's, he's not talking contract either. He just wants to, to help the team, but he's going to let his agent figure the rest out. I I just like him. I agree with a lot of what you said there. The Galladay argument is not one to be had. If anything, Galladay is going to impact Marvin Jones. I think God yes. is going to take the Ebron targets and impact Jones a little bit. Um, last year in the games with and without Galladay, Tate averaged the exact same PPR points a game, 14 a game. So that's a non-starter there. Um, Tate is a very consistent wide receiver too. I just don't see him finishing as a wide receiver one again, and here's why. Last year's a down year for receivers. Beckham got dinged. Jordy, we know what happened there. Guys who are normally in the top 10 weren't producing there. Tate finishes the wide receiver 12 in PPR with 224 and a half total points. If you go back previous three years and put that total in those years, he would have finished as the wide receiver 17, 19, and 17. So for me, he's cemented right there in the mid wide receiver two range. And again, if you take a high end wide receiver one with a lot of variance in terms of boom or bust, Tate as your safe wide receiver two is a great option. Well said, boys. Let's drop down to Demarius Thomas at 18. Uh, 18.7 on the consensus rank and the 19th wide receiver we have in our rankings. Um, Rocco, you got him at 20. Absolutely. I, I like I like Demarius Thomas. I, I think he had a little bit of a down year, but he's he's been pretty consistent uh, over the course of his career. And I think think uh, just a small just a small quarterback upgrade. I'm not a big believer in Keenum, but he's an upgrade over with the the trash that they had last year. And I think uh I think he's going to give you a low end um wide receiver two year. Yeah, Demaris Thomas, uh I'm I'm actually thinking he's going to have a really big bounce back year here. I think Case Keenum is going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. I think the Broncos offense is greatly improved now that they have a quarterback that can actually do something. Um, I think that the running backs that they brought in will be able to take a little bit of pressure off of the passing game and open things up some. Um, And with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders out there, I think both of them can go back to being wide receiver two options with Demarius Thomas flirting maybe with that high-end wide receiver two, possibly wide receiver one type of numbers. Um, I'm looking forward to Denver actually taking a step because I feel anybody that had to watch Brock Osweiler play as much as Denver fans did, they deserve they deserve something good. And Trevor yeah. Simmons was not any better either. Uh, one quick point on Thomas. He fell seven catches and 51 yards short of a six-straight year last year with at least 140 targets, 90 catches, and 1,000 yards. And despite the atrocious quarterback play in Denver, he finished the wide receiver 16 in PPR for the sixth straight year. 
So he's been six wide receiver 16 or better six straight years in PPR. Now he has Keenum, you're right. He has low and wide receiver upside and mid wide receiver two floor. He is mm-hmm. one of my favorite guys to target in PPR. Especially because you get him in a value to where he's going. Yeah, he's going like in the fifth round right now, I think. Late fourth, early fifth, somewhere in that ballpark. I don't know. We'll have to get somebody to jump on the ADP. Check that out. Uh, up next, we jump into our next tier, and this is the last tier that we'll be talking about. Um, we have five guys finishing out for us. Uh, at the top of the next tier, we have Elshon Jeffrey um, coming in at 20.25, the 20th wide receiver off the board. His knee scares me a little bit, but not nearly as much as it scares Mike. So, Mike, why don't you lead off about Jeffrey? Like you said, it's the injury concern. There's talk that he could start the year on PUP. He has not take part in any part of training camp preseason or whatnot. Um, if he's ready to go week one, I'll move him up closer to where the consensus is. Um, but it, it's really the injury. It's much like with Baldwin, but a much bigger deal. Jeffrey is injury prone, and he has not done anything yet. And we know he had surgery on the shoulder, and it, it concerns me. The other thing is he only finishes a top 24 wide receiver and 38 of his, 38% of his games last year. You combine his injury concern with the fact that Wentz is still – questionable to start the year. He may also end up on PUP, though less likely. Nick Foles got dinged in the preseason game. Is there a chance we go into week one and even if Jeffrey can play, Nate Setfeld's throwing to him for the first game or two? That's, that's pretty frightening. And also, Jeffrey is filled to go over the 100-yard receiving mark in 30 straight games, regular season and postseason. So unless he hits you know, nine touchdowns again, which he's only done twice in his career, I'm scared away from. Him. I'd rather pick somebody else in his range. Yeah, I can definitely see that. My my thought is that he is the number one wide receiver in Philadelphia if he's healthy. I think the the pup scare if if it comes out that he's on pup, I drop him down. You know, definitely to about your range. I, he's gonna fall like a, a plane out of the sky. Like it's it's just it's gonna be bad. Um, but I think if he's able to avoid that and he's able to kind of get in some reps, if Carson Wentz is healthy, if Foles is healthy, if basically anybody but Sudfield is throwing the ball around, he's the number one guy there. And even if regression happens, which everybody's anticipating it happening for the Eagles, I see that coming more out of Aglor, uh, more so than Jeffrey. Uh, because I feel that Nelson Aguilar, he got open because of extended plays. He got into the end zone off of more broken plays, whereas Jeffrey is going to maintain at least where he was last year. Um, And if that means that he stays at a wide receiver too, I'm all right with that if I'm taking him with my 20th wide receiver off the board. Yeah, I had him at 21 prior to the PUP reports. And if he starts week one, is ready to go. Yes, there'll be some touchdown regression, but it'll probably be to six or seven, which is not that concerning. I agree. Uh, Aguilar is the likely target to have the biggest regression for Philadelphia. The only thing I would say about Jeffrey being the number one receiver is this like New England where he may be the number one receiver, but Zach Gertz really is the number one pass catcher. And now that Jeffrey is paid, is he going to 
slip back to some of his old Chicago habits of half-ass running his routes, not fighting for the ball as much. Now he's not on a contract year. Possibly. Yeah, definitely a possibility. Uh, let's move down to our next guy, Mr. That Weak Ish Don't Live Here No More. <laughs> Absolutely love the speech. Jarvis Landry uh, comes in at an even 22 and our 21st wide receiver off the board. Um, Sig, you got him at 17. Uh, was it just the speech that motivated you to put him up there? <laughs> well, actually, I, I didn't. How could I say? I didn't see the speech. Uh, I know I heard about it, and I never went back and watched it on YouTube or anything else. I, I do like Jarvis Landry. He's one of those guys that just is another one that he's got vacuums for hands. I don't, I don't know if he'll get you know the 160 targets he was used to in, in Miami's offense. I mean, he was their number one pass catcher. Uh, I might even. I'm not saying I want to drop him lower, but uh, I got him the highest out of everyone here. I don't. I guess part of me doesn't hold out hope. I do personally. I just, for some reason, don't think uh, Josh Gordon is reliable. So I, I almost put him at Landry, meaning I put Landry at uh, their number one wide receiver uh, just because I think he'll be there all year long. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm not drafting even with like one of the last couple picks, Josh Gordon. So, I mean, I do kind of put Landry a little bit higher because of that. And I guess you fault me for it or not. I just, I look at him as their number one wide receiver and, and they should be looking at him and the fact he runs a lot of shorter quick routes and he can take routes down and, and build yardage into him, uh, get a lot of yak. I think whether they have uh, starting with Tyrod Taylor there, whether they go with the rookie at some point, he's going to be their best friend in, if their offensive line breaks down with in Cleveland, which I think it eventually will. I agree about the Josh Gordon thing. I am not touching him at all prior to him not showing up for camp, and now he's going to show up. I'm still not touching him. I don't want to have anything to do with a player who has missed as much time as he has over the last several years. My two concerns with Landry is as follows. One, the touchdown. Last year, he had nine compared to 13 in his first three years combined. He's going to come back to the norm. Two, he had a 25% target share during his time in Miami. With Josh Gordon, assuming he's around, and Joku, Duke Johnson, and the other pass catchers they got in Callaway's looking good. Is he going to see 25? Probably not. It's probably going to drop into the 22, 23 range and, you know, take a little bit of target here, a little bit of there. The touchdowns come back. He's a solid, safe floor mid-wide receiver too for me. See, you missed the most concerning thing for me, which is that he plays for the Browns. <laughs> I got faith in these Browns. I, see, my problem is, is like I wanna, I, I wanna believe in all of the talent that they have on this offense. But the problem is, is I've seen it too many times where teams go out, they get a lot of talented guys, and everybody has such high hopes for them, and it just falls on its face. It's so. Awesome. My- it's also the hard knocks thing. Last year, we're all in on Tampa Bay, and they fell flat on their face. Now we're going to jump all in with the speech from Landry and everything else, and they're going to fall on their face. I think the Browns might, but I'm just I, I still feel safe with Landry, given in PPR his target share, and if Josh Gordon is going to be around for all sixteen or not. And I think coming from Miami, I mean, if he can survive the dumpster fire that was their offense week to week, mm-hmm. uh, just consistency wise, he was the guy you could plug in out of Miami, and everyone else, you're like you don't touch them. I, I think. 
he can not say in Cleveland is better than Miami, but it's in the same realm maybe of just their offense. You, you don't know what they're going to do from week to week or how they're going to do it. But I think he's a safe bet, at least on that team. My, my opinion on Jarvis Landry and that speech is that's how he talked to Ryan Tannehill, and that's how he got all those targets. <laughs> Scared him in the targets. Yeah, I think Landry is just in a – I think he's in a good spot because I think he's going to eat up a ton of targets there. But I'm a little concerned about just the Browns. I, I, can't, I can't get past it. They, they can't be that bad forever, can they? They can't get any worse. No, that's true. I mean, baby steps. Baby Real steps. quick, do they win more games or Miami wins more games? Browns. Ooh, they, they both look terrible. That's a good point. I take the Browns, but by one win, six to five. I say it won't be by much. Oh, I I think six to five is over 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 wins for both of them. Yeah, I'll, I don't know. I'll, I'll Browns t- at least have a semblance of what they're trying to do. I don't even know what the what the hell that Miami's doing over there. Let me one of those bets where I, I bet one person the over and the other person the under, and I I pay off either way. I win. <laughs> We all win. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with uh, Miami. We'll, we'll, we'll write this down. We'll figure something out to, uh, to embarrass each other uh, for whoever uh, loses it. But I'm going Miami. Miami gets more than Cleveland, and I think combined the teams might get about five wins. Yeah, the safest bet might be that they're both battling for a top three draft pick. All right, let's let's move down to a team that usually does pretty well historically. Uh, down to Pittsburgh and Juju Smith Schuster coming in. Um, he's two point two, uh, sorry, twenty two point five seven, the twenty second wide receiver off the board. I'm fading Juju Smith Schuster um, for the primary reason that I just. I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in Pittsburgh. I think there's a lot of concern around Roethlisberger. I think there's a concern around Bell. I think the only person there's not a ton of concern around for me is Antonio Brown because I think he's going to produce no matter what happens. But Juju, I think I, I want him to be good. I think he is going to be good. I think he is a very, very talented wide receiver. I think people are putting a little too much stock in him right now um, and driving up his value too high for me. Uh, so I'm fading him. And, yeah, somebody somebody talked me into why I should not be fading him so, so much. I still got him as a wide receiver three. I just don't – I don't see him in that wide receiver two range – consistently well i'm the highest on so i'll try my best here but i love juju i've been coming out last year pittsburgh has got one of the most explosive offenses in the league last year he finishes the wide receiver 18 in ppr so and that's with not getting much work at the beginning of the year missing two games martavis bryant being a thorn in his side most of the year if he gets a boost in targets um, last year, Brown, or sorry, Bryant had 84 targets last year. If you project like me, Washington to get around 55, 60, Juju gets another roughly 24 to go to him because Bell and 
Brown are around the same targets per game average last year as they have been over the previous three years. So they're not likely to suck up many, if at all, of the targets. So if Juju gets more targets, more points, obviously. If you project his stats as if he got 108 targets last year, he would have ranked as the 21st in the league in terms of targets. He caught 73% of his passes, which is fourth amongst receivers with 45 or more targets. He's sure-handed. It's an explosive offense. If A.B. misses any time whatsoever, Juju jumps into the top 12 for me. And Ryan Shazier is an underrated point in terms of the Steelers. If you look at their points per game given up with him on the field versus off of it, it's five more a game. Pittsburgh's going to have to move the ball, pick up some yards, and score some more points if they're going to succeed this year. I'm not crazy about the division they're in. I think Baltimore, Cincy, and Cleveland all are eight wins or worse. And I think they just run with the division and pass on everybody. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I, I do like Juju. I only got him at 25. I mean, it was kind of in the middle between you guys. Uh, the thing is, I think all the points that you're worried about is why you got him at 29. Are, are, I, I agree with him. I, I would pick him, pick him this time next year because I don't even think he's going to get, you know, the third or fourth at best most targets or catches, I should say, on his team. I mean, look, Le'Veon Bell is, is the second wide receiver in Pittsburgh. And he might be gone next year, and that might help uh, Juju's numbers. I mean, he he had Bell had more catches than Juju had targets last year. So oh. I mean, Sorry it's yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, Bell is clearly the de facto wide receiver too here. I'm just saying, who is going to challenge Juju for the three? I know Washington's looked good thus far in preseason, but that's against twos and threes, and. Last year, we saw Juju was playing better than Martavis, and it took him till Brian gets suspended week seven for Juju to get into the starting lineup and show what he can do. I'm I'm all in. If I get Juju's wide receiver two after saying grab Fitz as my one, something consistent at one, and take the upside with Juju at two, I'm loving that strategy. See, you just mentioned my number one concern is that Juju is essentially the wide receiver three there. Yeah, at best. Yeah, and I mean, I he finished as the wide receiver 23 in PPR last year. I don't see I, – I see the sophomore slump coming. Um, I, I just don't see him returning to that, that status, especially now that they have a more competent guy like James Washington out there as well. I'm not expecting great things from him, but I think he's a little bit more competent out there than who they had before. Um, so I don't know. I just little, little shaky on, on Juju. Uh, let's move down to another guy that, uh, I'm a little shaky on Brandon cooks comes in 23.11, 23rd wide receiver off the board. Uh, a guy that's moved teams so much. I mean, he played, uh, He's going to be playing for his third team in as many years. Makes me nervous about him, um, but not nearly as nervous as uh, Mike. So, Mike, what's what's your concerns with with Cooks? It's like you said, three teams in three years. Two teams have given up on him now. Um, I know the theory is New England didn't want to pay him like a one. They don't like overpaying for guys, so they figured get him out the door, get a rookie in instead. But he's gone from playing with two of the greatest QBs ever in Brady and Breeze to now Jared Goff. And while I'm convinced Goff is a franchise guy, is he Brady or Breeze? Of course not. And also, he's got the most talent amongst the receivers around him. 
Robert Woods is, uh, you know, a solid product had solid, had solid production last year. Cooper Cup is one of my favorite sleepers, and I think the best Rams receiver on the group. Um, and Cooks is going to fill in Sammy Watkins' role. And Watkins finished last season as the wide receiver forty-one in PPR, and most of his production came within the red zone. I, I just think Cooks' target share. Um, at 19.1 last year compared to Watkins at 13.5. He's going to come down closer to Watkins, and I think he's a low-end wide receiver too at best. Yeah, I mean, with, with Cooks, it's it's one of those things where you're, you're going to have to kind of maybe get him a little earlier than, than you might want to, and is he going to pay off for the value you pay, him, pay for him? Sorry, And um, I, I think he will. The one thing that worries me is on a week-to-week basis, are Cooks, uh, Cooper Cup, and um, Woods? Are they gonna? Yeah, are they gonna cannibalize each other? Where you have to play uh, roulette, and which one do you get which week? Do you start the right guy? Um, I, I I do agree with. Okay, he's on his third team. I mean, they obviously want him because they paid him. Maybe two years from now they ship him. I didn't look at how the contract breaks down, but um, when you look at it, I got him at eighteen, which is probably one of the higher of the three or four of us, and. <sighs> I guess at some point I'm going to say their passing offense takes a little bit of an upswing because I'll gamble and, and pick them probably more so than, than not because people last year saw Todd Gurley. I mean, everyone did uh, do what he did and he'll get passes too, obviously, but defenses are going to come into the Rams stadium in LA and say, okay, we have to stop Todd Gurley. Let's let Goff beat us and, I had I was surprised when I looked up Goff had 28 touchdowns and I'm not saying he's going to explode or double that or even get 25% more but at some point the when you've got guys that can work downfield uh, they're going to have several plays where they either have a audible a signal uh, you're going to hear, hear you know your kill 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 your Omaha whatever you want to say whatever word they use and you're going to all of a sudden have Cook screaming down the sideline and he's going to win you some games you're not going to draft him as your wide receiver one you're probably not going to – maybe you'll get him as your two. Uh, if I can steal him as my three, I'd be I'd feel great. But uh, yeah. I, I do worry about some of the other Rams wide receivers too. Like, are you going to start the right one the right week? Yeah, I agree. If I can get Cooks as my three, I love that because that's where I'm putting him in the flex and I'm willing to take the yes. boomer bust in that position. If he hits, you win. If he misses, well, you still got a chance. Uh, I did look at Cooks' contract. He's pretty much locked in until 2022, so they're committed to him. Um, but I am, again, like, yeah, I'm worried. Is it going to be Russian roulette with the receivers there? And I think the only one you can say is the safest bet almost week to week is Cup because of how efficient it was in the red zone. It was golf guy on third down. And I know they paid Cooks big money. They didn't want to pay Watkins money, but we all think Cooks is better than Watkins, right? And he's going to slide in that role, and I'm just a little concerned. Is he going to be used as a deep threat decoy to open things in the middle of the field for Woods, Cup, and Gurley? Yeah, I'm not saying, too, that, that those other two teams didn't want him. Like we said, New England probably didn't want to pay him. Uh, but I think he was a good enough receiver. He was a valuable commodity that they could get something for him. Um, and, and I think that might be, too, another reason why he was moved, just because he was still valuable. Well, I will say, for somebody that's been on three teams in three years, each time he got traded, he got traded. So teams around the league realized his value. Um in New Orleans, unfortunately, Michael Thomas emerged, and they decided to go with the run-heavy system to take some 
a little bit of the pressure off of Breeze. Um, and in New England, New England's that's what they're known for. They they get rid of people, you know, before they have to pay them. They they still recoup the first round pick. So I, I don't feel too bad about him being on three teams. And now he's on a team that wants him, that paid him. I, I think he'll get some love. And and at the if I can get him as my wide receiver three, that's stealing. I'll take that all day. All right. So let's move to the guy that you're talking about cannibalizing targets from him and touchdowns because he's a uh, end zone machine. Cooper Cup comes in as our last guy of the the tier and our last guy of 24 wide receivers. What do you guys think about Cup? Well, I was one of the guys. I think I said that he was going to be maybe cannibalizing all three of their wideouts. If you can get Cooks as your three, like we were kind of saying, that'd be awesome. Uh, maybe it's more realistic that Cooper Cup is your guy that you could get as your wide receiver three and maybe be just as happy. Maybe not the explosive games, but he's going to get some of those red zone looks. And that as a wide receiver, that's one of those things you should watch is what are their red zone targets? What are their catch rate in the red zone? You know, things like that. What's the percent of their offense in the red zone that they're getting looks or they're getting targets or calls their way? Yeah, I, I love Cup this year. Um, last year, he was the highest Rams wide receiver in PPR, finishing as the wide receiver 25. Cup and Golf have this good connection between the two of them in the red zone and on third down. Cup led all the receivers in both categories. He ranked third in the league in red zone catches and 11th in the league in third down catches. When the play breaks down, the line's collapsing, and Gurley's not an option, I believe Golf is going to focus in on Cup. No, when he's coming across the middle, he's getting himself open, he's going left, and all of a sudden he's going right, and he's going to be the safest week-to-week Rams receiver this year. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. I think that he's a, you know, a very consistent red zone threat, and that's points. He's also a very shifty guy that's going to get open in in space. He's fast. He runs a really good shuttle. Um, he's going to make defenders miss, and the fact that he's going to have guys like Cooks and Robert Woods split out outside – means he's most likely going to be um, lining up against a linebacker or a safety or a nickelback, which athletically Cup should be able to get separation from. And I think that all those things are going to point to good things for Cup. I have him just outside my wide receiver two range, though, because there's just a lot of things happening in that Rams offense right now that I don't know if he can be consistent enough to maintain a wide receiver two kind of status. Certainly. He's at best a very low end 23-24 wide receiver two. He's more of a flex play, but you know what you're going to get out of him. And if you're, you know, want the more consistent thing, you're better off playing him than a Cooks. Absolutely. All right. So here's how we're going to end things out. little bonus for everybody. We're going to uh, give everybody uh, a guy that we think is a lock for a wide receiver three, and we're going to start off with Sigs. Why don't you give us your wide receiver three? Uh, Well, looking at our top 24 already, consensus-wise, this is a guy that maybe some people got higher, but he hasn't been listed yet, and that's Marvin Jones from Detroit. Uh, He probably will be overlooked as as a two by some people or a lot more people uh, because he might have those weeks where he doesn't get a touchdown and, and only catches two or three balls. 
but I mean, he had touchdowns in a fair chunk of games is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games. He had a touchdown in and two of those games, he had two touchdowns in. Uh, he is going to be part of the Lions offense where I said before, when I talked about golden Tate, I think they're going to open it up a little bit more and possibly go to more formations where they don't necessarily have two tight ends or have to worry about Ebron uh, where they're going to probably shift because they didn't pick up a decent tight end or I should say a well-known tight end. Cause I, I, I think their offense is going to do a little bit more with their coaching change, not because of Patricia, he's a defensive coach there. I think Jim Caldwell last year, he, the man of many faces, he always seemed to be kind of behind the scenes reigning in Jim Bob Cooter. And I think Patricia is probably going to have a decent game plan, but he's going to let Cooter do a little bit more than he has been able to do in the past. And I think that'll translate into better stats for Jones. I mean, he's had over a hundred targets the last three years, two of them were in Detroit. The, receptions have gone up his yardage has gone up uh he had nine touchdowns last year he's probably uh, you know a lock for for six or seven at least and it's always nice when you can get your wide receiver three to have multiple touchdown games i mean that's what more could you ask for it's like putting an old pair of pants out of the the washing machine or you haven't worn in a while and you find like a 20 dollar bill in the pocket it's just happy smiles all day long i like it and the fact that he finished as uh what was it wide receiver what 10 wide receiver 11 last year in ppr yeah i I think him being a lock for a three is a is a good choice there rocco what do you got for your wide receiver three lock the guy i like uh he doesn't have a a huge track record but he is in a great situation a lot of uh a lot of targets vacated with uh brandon cooks leaving with julian edelman suspended for the first four games i'm gonna go with chris hogan I think he can slide in right after Rob Gronkowski is, you know, the second option in that passing attack. Not bad. Uh, the fact that he is a lacrosse player more than a football player, does that affect you any or no? No. What is lacrosse? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Lacrosse players. Hey, East Coast. I've seen it on TV North, before. Northeast, where I'm from, lacrosse is a, is a big deal. But um, I mean, I, I I like the Hogan pick. What's funny is I'm I, I'm actually debating uh, Edelman as my lock for a wide receiver three once he comes back. But I'm gonna go with someone else, and uh, I'm actually gonna let Mike chime in with his wide receiver three first. I do like Jones. I do like Hogan, and I do like Adam. I have all three in the wide receiver three range for me. But my guy is Michael Crabtree, and it's, again, it goes back to the volume thing. Well, actually, the Ravens lost 337 targets from their team. And I'm not convinced John Brown can stay healthy. I think Willie Sneed's average. They have rookie tight ends. We know outside of Ingram last year, rookie tight ends struggle. And who else is going to challenge Crabtree for the targets? He averaged 137 over the last three years. And Flacco was looking good. I think the pick of Lamar Jackson let a fire in his ass to say, you know what, you may not play all 16 games. And the Ravens have to replace six red zone touchdowns from last year, while Crabtree has averaged just under five per season over the last three years. He's not the sexy pick. You think Baltimore's passing a game, and you just get turned off by it. But volume alone makes Crabtree a mid-wide receiver three for me. 
I like it. I'm going to build off of your volume argument. Uh, I'm going to go with somebody that I don't think anybody's going to like. Um, but I think he is a lock for a wide receiver three. He is probably the most unsexy pick, like, you know, like grandma unsexy. But I'm going with Devin Funches. I think he is a lock for a wide receiver three. I think that the targets that are going to be available in Carolina this year are going to go to Funches. He's a big target. He's a guy that has a huge wingspan. He's a guy that's going to be able to pull in all those errant throws by Cam Newton. Uh, He's not going to leave the field. I am a little concerned about DJ Moore. But even still, I think that Funches is going to be the number one there Um, over top of DJ Moore. I don't think he just walks in and turns into a superstar as much as I want him to because I really like DJ Moore. Um, But I think Funches is going to be the number one in Carolina, and I think that holds a good amount of weight to it. Um, And I think that Funches is a lock to be a wide receiver three. I think his, his, you know, target share and everything keeps going up. And I mean, last year he finished as a wide receiver 21 in PPR. I agree. I actually like Funches a little bit more in non PPR because I think what he can, the one thing he could do that nobody else in that roster can do is go get the high Aaron throws can throws. Olsen's six, four, but he's got there in age. Funches is the only receiver above six, three. And he will go up and get the bad throws that Cam, unfortunately, it makes. You know, I, I'm with you. I'm not convinced DJ Moore walks in as the week one wide receiver one. Currently, he's behind Torrey Smith and Wright as the two and three receivers. So he's got a ways to go. I like McCaffrey. Olsen's there. I, I'm not convinced Funches is a wide receiver three in PPR. But you're right. He does have wide receiver three upside if he gets enough targets. Yeah, see, I'm going. He's he's gonna be a wide receiver three. He he got more than enough targets last year, and he finished as a wide receiver two. Um, low end, he finishes twenty one. But you give him even even a you know a slight regression there, he's still gonna be pretty good. And to make it even better, he's according to fantasy football calculator, he's the forty first wide receiver off the board. Oh, his ADP is phenomenal in, for sure. In round nine. So great value. Yeah, I'm I'm picking Kevin Benjamin in almost every league because I think he's going to greatly surpass his ADP of 41. Benjamin uh, or Funches? Sorry, what did I say? Benjamin the second time around. Well, well, we did see how how many uh, throws the. How many targets uh, Cam sent uh, Calvin Benjamin's way? He loves throwing to those big, tall receivers. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. And I think Funches is okay, but he loves throwing to those big targets. And Greg Olson's getting a little bit older, getting a little bit slower. I think Funches is uh, not a bad pick. The only uh, thing I worry about with Funches is all the weapons they've added since last year. Funches really stepped up after they shipped out Benjamin, and then opposite of him was a revolving door. Torrey Smith's going to get some work. Wright's going to get some work. We know Moore's going to get work. Olsen's back. I'm just a little less convinced the volume is a guarantee than you are. It It is what it is. I think he's going to get it. And fantasy football is a game of faith. Uh, so Devin Funches is actually 39th wide receiver off the board. 
8.11 is his uh, eighth round, 11th pick. Uh, and see, my brain was working too fast because we're going to give the listeners one more bonus here of a sleeper kind of guy that's being drafted uh, a little bit later as well. That's going to be a good pick. And my guy's Kelvin Benjamin, who is what? pick 41, <laughs> round and nine. And Kelvin Benjamin, for the same reasons as Funches, you can't go wrong with a massive target, especially for who's going to be the, who's going to be the quarterback in Buffalo. Doesn't Josh matter. Allen. It's going to be trash. <laughs> and guess what? They're going to make terrible throws. And who's going to be the guy that's going to be able to catch all those things? Kelvin Benjamin. If you watched him so far in the preseason, yes, he's still big. He's not nearly as fat as he was when he came back. What was it last year or the year before? But watch the catches he's making on the sidelines and stuff like that. He's able to use his, what is it, a 6'4 frame, completely box out a defender on a comeback route to the sideline and is able to make a massive stretch to be able to catch it. No matter who's starting for him, whether it's Nathan Peterman or Josh Allen, he's going to get targets. He's going to get um, receptions and hopefully he's going to get a handful of touchdowns. I don't expect Buffalo to do great things, but I think out of just sheer volume alone, Kelvin Benjamin is a pickup to get because he's going to eat up targets. And again, I picked the two ugliest possible picks here, but I think in terms of volume and where you're getting them, they're going to compete with guys you're getting so much higher. And if their upside is a wide receiver three, possibly flirting with that wide receiver two range, I'm all for it for guys that I'm picking in the eight, end of the eighth round, ninth round. So yeah. You stole my guy because I had Benjamin in that spot too. He is very <clears throat> target share dependent. If you look over – the three years he's played this in his career, his catch rate's awful, 50%, 53 But when he gets 21% target share higher, he actually finishes as a wide receiver 27 or better. So, again, in Buffalo, McCoy, we have concerns about the off the field. Is he going to be suspended? Is it going to be hanging over his head? Charles Clay can't stay healthy. And even when he does, he's never top 60 catches or four touchdowns while in Buffalo. Benjamin's going to get peppered with targets left and right. And if he gets the high enough target share, volume alone is going to put him in the wide receiver three range. Um, one con- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, the one concern I do have is the way he shit all over his former teammates. And two days later, they brought in another receiver. I just wonder if he's endearing himself in, in, in that locker room. And, I mean, you know, we can look at the situation and everything, but uh, I don't know about the chemistry there. He he might be troublesome in the locker room, but unless they bring in somebody on his skill level or better, I'm not worried about Jermaine Curley, Zay Jones. Who knows if he's going to even play to start the year or not? They they just don't have the weapons to concern me with how much target share Benjamin's going to get. Allen likes to throw the ball deep. He's not very accurate, obviously, and both things bowl well for Benjamin thanks to a six five frame. And I think Coleman he just don't have enough time to really get in. Uh... Yeah, Corey. I, I, I never, I never understood the Corey Coleman's going to Buffalo. Now he's got a higher fantasy value. He went from Tyrod Taylor to Josh Allen. 
to having Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry taking away coverage to Calvin Benjamin. Coleman, to me, is not even worth drafting even in a bigger size 14-team league. It's because the narrative has always been that Calvin Benjamin is too fat to move <laughs> and isn't going to do anything for you. Uh, and Zay Jones wasn't the superstar that everybody thought right out of the gate, which, I mean, people have been spoiled recently, especially since the 2014 class of wide receivers, where you had guys that came in and dropped thousand yard seasons that had 90 catch seasons. Like people have been so spoiled recently that if a rookie receiver doesn't have some kind of phenomenal season, everybody starts, you know, poo pooing all over them. Bring up the bus label. Yeah. And the, and the, and the fact of the matter is receivers take time to develop. It's the same thing with tight ends. Tight ends take time to develop. You got to give these guys that opportunity to actually develop. Uh, enough of my sleeper. Uh, let, let's let's move down the line. Who's 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 next? Somebody jump in with your sleeper. I can do one of mine. Uh, kind of for the same same reasons that we were talking about Demarius Thomas being successful. Um, the guy that was on a down year last year, kind of injury ridden, banged up. Uh, he's a little bit older in age, but word is out of Broncos camp that he is getting healthy and is going to be healthy for the season as Emmanuel Sanders. I've mentioned his name and I keep giving all these descriptions of the guy. Emmanuel Sanders, I think, and I think he's going to be there for this year. He's going to outlast uh, some of the wideouts they drafted this year and still be productive, Uh mainly because the last two, three years, I mean, they haven't had anyone throwing him the ball. It's almost like someone would have gotten injured and they would have just kind of took the helmet with the radio in it and just gave it to whoever's in the front row and said, here, all you need to do is get it past the line of scrimmage and (laughs) someone's going to take it. I mean, they have someone now that can, in Keenum, in doing what they wanted, what they want him to do is what he did in Minnesota. You know, to we have a good defense. We had some weapons around you. Don't turn the ball over. Manage the game. If you see a downfield shot, take it. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders can have a bounce back year, can be a decent sleeper. I mean, he, I'm looking at a at a site where his draft stock is dropping now, probably because of all the hype that Cortland Sutton's getting. Cortland Sutton's getting. Uh, I mean, use that to your advantage and watch this guy fall into the seventh, eighth, ninth rounds of drafts and just take him and, and be laughing when he's helping you in wide receiver three or in your flex position. Uh, on some of these decent weeks where, you know, he, he's another guy that maybe only needs three, four catches some weeks to take a couple to the house and, and beat you. I mean, he might not be there every week for you, but we're talking deep sleepers. I mean, here's a guy that I'm going to be watching and, and scoop up at some point in, in all or as many of my drafts as I can. I can't say all of them, but as many as I can, he's going to be a name that I have circled. Yeah, and the good thing with Sutton looking good in the preseason is – when the Broncos go three wide, they'll move Sanders into the slot where he'll be more productive going against the nickel corner. And again, as long as he can stay healthy, you're yeah. right. He's got, you know, flex play run all over him, especially if, you know, you talk about the matchup week to week or, you know, Thomas is dinged up. He then jumps to the number one role. So it, it's a good pick. Yep. I like it. Rocco, who's your pick? All right. This is, this is pretty deep here. Um, this is a guy that I'm trying to pick up everywhere. Um, I got him on pretty much all of my dynasty and redraft teams. The guy I like is uh, Chris Godwin. Uh, he just recently was announced as the number two receiver 
in Tampa Bay. And, um, I mean, I, I, I like what I've seen out of him. Uh, I think he's honestly, and y'all could shit on me if you want, but I think he will prove in the long run to be a better receiver than, than Mike Evans. But uh, the most interesting thing about him, and I, I just found this out just now, is his real name is Rod Christopher Godwin. Coming with the hard-hitting facts. <laughs> you know what? That actually makes me not like him as much. Yeah, kind of <laughs> uh, you don't like Rod? Hey, whoa. I mean, I've, I've been a fan of Chris Godwin ever since the Combine. Uh, he just had the smoothest hands, uh, ran the smoothest routes. He yeah. looks the part in every way. I don't know if he's going to supplant Mike Evans. That that might be a big jump there. No, that, that's not going to happen. I, I can definitely see in this year, I could see him supplanting DJX. I think that's easily going to happen. And if that does happen, I could see him definitely putting up wide receiver three numbers, um, especially later in the year, because DJX will probably get a soft tissue injury, miss a couple of weeks. And once that happens, that's all Chris Godwin needs to show up. And that's exactly what he did at the end of last season. So I, I, I like that pick. Yeah, I mean, it might not be efficient, but that, that Tampa Bay team is a, is, a, is a volume offense, and they have enough volume to go around to get him wide receiver three numbers. Yep, I like it. And, Mike, you're going to finish this out with your sleeper. You got a new one since I stole Benji from you. Go ahead. Well, I wouldn't so much call this guy a sleeper as an underappreciated individual. Currently he's going, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, as the wide receiver 75 in the 14th round. Rashard Matthews. Now, I know there's a lot of hype around Corey Davis. I am one on that hype train. And Taiwan Taylor has looked great in the preseason. But Rashard Matthews last year, despite how god-awful that Tennessee offense was, finishes the wide receiver 37 in PPR and was pretty consistent week to week. Caught 61% of his targets, uh, just short of 800 yards, only four touchdowns. But again, when Mary only throws, was like 14 all year long. It's not bad. I know he's dinged up right now. He's currently on PUP. Hopefully he's ready to go week one. If he's not, forget everything I just said. But Corey Davis has a history of hamstring issues, and if that comes to flare up on him again during the season, Matthews becomes a default one again, and Mariota's got to throw to somebody on the outside. Yeah, I definitely don't mind it. Rashard Matthews was just outside that wide receiver three mark last year at the end of the year. And anything, anything is better than exotic smash mouth. So I could see Rashard Matthews, just for the sake of not running that terrible offense, getting enough of a bump to move into that wide receiver three type of conversation. And even with Corey Davis, hopefully being able to be the Corey Davis that everybody wants him to be. Yeah, Matthews should still slide into the low wide receiver three range, even if Davis pops into the wide receiver two range. The, the big thing is, like you said, the off, as the offense becomes less boring and less smash mouth this year, Mariota, assuming he avoids injury bug again, can have two receivers in the top 36, I believe. And on that note, we will close out this exotic roundtable. Uh, I think we gave you guys plenty of guys to talk about, lots of different rankings, lots of tiers. If you need anything, make sure you're heading to the website at ffdynasty260.com. Be sure to hit us all up on Twitter. We're more than happy to respond to anything, respond to 
you know, guys that you think we picked that you absolutely hate, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us what you think. Boys, say good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, everybody.